Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., that's as in Frank, and I'm from Connecticut, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, June 3rd, 2019, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 3, More About Alcoholism, on page 30. We will be reading and commenting on the second paragraph, which begins with, we learned that we had to, and ends with, had to be smashed. Today's readers are Allison E., Nancy H., Craig F., Marie J., and Lisa B. The share ID number for yesterday, Sunday, June 2nd, 2019's special edition meeting is... 12,983. That's 12983. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps and 12 traditions, well, actually, it just says through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Allison E. to read the OA 12 steps. Hi, good morning. This is Allison E., compulsive overeater from New York. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. 
thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me be of service. Thank you, Allison E. I will now ask Nancy H. to read the OA 12 Traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Nancy H. from Massachusetts, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. The traditions are, one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overreader who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service. I pass. Thank you, Nancy H. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book in Chapter 3, more about alcoholism on page 30. We will be reading and commenting on the second paragraph, which begins with, We learned that we had to, and ends with, had to be smashed. I will now ask Craig F. to go ahead and read that for us. 
Good morning. This is Craig F., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, we learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. This is the first step in recovery. The delusion that we are like other people, or presently maybe, has to be smashed. Um, this is so important. Um, you know, I've, I've been told, and, and, I, and I believe this, that the only thing I have to do perfectly when it comes to working the steps is step one. And this is step one. Uh, admitted that I'm a compulsive overeater and that my life is unmanageable. And, and so I have to fully concede, not partially concede, not say, yeah, maybe, uh, but I have to fully concede. And, and it says that this, this uh, delusion, the delusion that, that I'm going to be able to control this uh, someday, if I can just get to go away, then I'll be able to control it. Uh, you know, I'll be like, I'll look like other people, I'll be like other people. You know, if um, life would just straighten out and, and you know, whatever, the you know, I have the right relationship or the right job or whatever. If if life will just do what I wanted to do, then I wouldn't have to overeat. That has to be smashed. But how do I smash that? You know, um, if this is so important, how do I smash that delusion in, in my mind? And and you know, from a practical point of view, uh, the there are things that we can do to to get ourselves down to to that concession uh, to raise our bottom, so to speak. And one of those things that we can do to raise that bottom it, is to do our food history, to write down all of our attempts to control uh, our food and eating and weight and and how they ended up. You know, I, I learned an awful lot uh, by doing that. And, and I'm not saying that doing it the first time cured me because, <laughs> of course, it didn't cure me. And I'm not saying doing it the first time uh, brought me to complete surrender. Uh, I had to be, uh, uh, you know, I had to be thoroughly beaten by this food. I had to try everything in the world um, in, in order to uh, uh, make sure that there was some other way. Uh, but certainly sitting down and and saying, you know, God, I tried I tried paying ways. I tried, you know, doctor-given diets uh, with uh, hormone shots. I, I tried, uh, you know, the drinking man's diet. I tried. I tried so many things: cabbage soup cleanses. And 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 every time, you know, I went back to the food. Every time I uh, I went, I came back to worse than I'd been before. And and I had to sit down and I had to look at that and and admit that uh there was that there was no solution, you know, no I was beyond human aid as the doctor would say in the doctor's opinion. And 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 that helped smash it, you know, going through the doctor's opinion and looking at all the ways that uh, all the things that don't work. That helps smash this, you know. Uh, the doctor tells us frothy emotional appeal uh, doesn't suffice. You know, I, I I was warned and and frightened so many times by doctors or 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 loved ones that that 
uh, and every time all the fear did was make me go back and want to eat. Uh, you know, the doctor tells us that medical help, the human aid, uh, psychiatric help, all those things will not uh, cure me. They will not um, uh, bring me to recovery. The only thing that will bring me to recovery is this full concession that I'm a compulsive overeater to my inner core of my being, to be completely out of ideas and to surrender and to get out of the boxing ring. You know, I've got a, I've got a uh, Muhammad Ali standing there ready to get in the ring for me and fight this disease. All I have to do is get out of the way and say, please. And, 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 and that, you know, in this case, my, you know, I've got my God that, that will step in the ring and, 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 take care of this, but I have to fully concede that I'm powerless and let go of the reins. And when I do so and invite God in, then I can have this spiritual awakening and uh, I can have uh, recovery. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks, Craig S. If you haven't shared on this meeting in the past couple of days and would like to share on the second paragraph on page 30 in the big book, please press star 1 to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Nancy H. Larry K. I heard Larry K. Nancy T. Nancy T. Kim J. Kim J. Laura M. Yes, thank you. Laura M. Mm-hmm. Devora S. Devora S. Pete B. Okay, and Pete B. Why don't we stop there? Because I think there's about seven people already. So here's who I have Nancy H., Larry K., Nancy T., Kim G., Laura M., Devora S., and Pete B. Nancy H., go right ahead. Okay, may I be heard? This is Nancy H. Yes, good morning, Nancy. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you for your service, and good morning, everyone, again. I'm Nancy H. from Massachusetts, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overreader. Um, this delusion that has to be smashed, it took me many relapses before I was willing to let that happen, um, and it's still on a daily basis, but I always thought that a full-fledged binge and a relapse started with, you know, with the binging, and then I realized that uh, it was not the sudden long. it was the sudden, sudden longing of... Um, being like other people and thinking that I could pull it off. And I had to relapse over and over before I realized that something was wrong with the way I was ignoring the steps, especially 11, 10, 11, and 12. And during my uh, eating career, which spanned many years, I tried so many diets, and after repeated eventual relapses, I realized that that delusion had to be smashed. And for me, it has to be smashed on a daily basis. And I ask God every morning to remind me that I'm, I'm powerless over food and that I can't think that I'm like normal people. As long as I continue to stay in fit spiritual condition, and I admit that each day, it seems to work out on a, you know, it's been about six months now, and I'm grateful for that. And I ask God every day for the willingness to act as if, if I don't believe that I'm powerless, because it's so cunning, baffling, and powerful, as they say, to want to just pick up that first bite when you're with someone and to not, uh, you know, stick to your food plan. And it's not just the food for me. It's also life on life terms. If I can't deal with life, that's a big problem. And that's a problem for me every day. But I'm learning how to deal with life through the steps. 
and I'm learning how to rely on my higher power totally so that I don't end up back in relapse again. Um, I do have the hope from this program nowadays, and I've had the hope before, but I, it was the, the hope was smashed on me because uh, when I got into binging, I didn't really care about anything, including God and the program. I cared about it, but I couldn't care about it because I was just immobilized. So just for today, I'm trying to just hang in there and remember that I have no, I have no delusion that I can eat like other people. And I know that I have to admit to my innermost self that I need to work this program to the fullest and I need to help others or it's going to be all over for me again. So I'm grateful and thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Nancy A. Larry K. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much for, for your service. Um, you know, the, the, the requirement of step one is fairly simple. And, you know, the, step one is nothing more complex than drawing a conclusion of the mind. We learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. This is the first step in recovery. So, you know, I, I look back and I, I know the, for about five years in my program in OA, um, I, I kept, uh, I, I was mostly abstinent. I was mostly losing weight. I was mostly coming to meetings, and I was certainly dabbling in the steps. I, I had I had tried to to work in the steps. I just wasn't willing to go through the uncomfortability of putting down the food. See, if we take a look at the word concede, really, what is that? It's to give up. It's to surrender. It's to relinquish. I I hope this this doesn't offend anyone. But I, I, I will speak for myself and my experience. I, I had conceded nothing because here's the thing that I hadn't figured out at that point. So if, you know, if someone can enlighten me on this, that, you know, I welcome their feedback. How is it in Overeaters Anonymous that an individual like me who is still eating their alcoholic foods has taken step one? I have relinquished nothing. I have surrendered nothing. You know, what have I given up if I'm still eating? But I've lost weight, I said, and, I, and I've been in a way for X number of years, and I'm, I'm mostly abstinent, and, and after all, my life has changed to a certain extent. But here's what I needed but didn't want to hear. Larry, that was hogwash. It was nonsense. You haven't taken step one because you're still drunk. How absurd is that, that you are still engaging in your your heroin substance, your, your, your alcoholic substance, even if it's less of the time, even if your life has gotten better to a certain degree, I have not conceded to myself. We concede an action by putting the food down and going through that uncomfortability. And, you know, here's the thing. When I finally did that, and I don't know what it took for me, and I don't know what it would take for you. But when I finally did that and I put my food down entirely and I embarked on these steps, do you know in a very short period of time of working these steps as only a human being can, the obsession was lifted. And the energy that it, that it took day after day, there was no more battle. And since that time, it's been gone. And I've been able to work these steps to the best of my ability. I'm not a saint. But you've, Larry, you've taken step one when you've put the food down, period. That's what I would tell anyone with compassion and love and hope. You can concede by putting the food down first and then embarking on this program of action. With that, I pass. Thanks. 
Thank you, Larry Kay. Nancy T. Good morning. Thank you, Rebecca. Nancy T., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Lewiston, Idaho, this morning. I This very short paragraph, but I love it. There's a lot in there. Um, um, we had to fully concede during our most selves that we were alcoholics. And um, I have learned that when it's talking about alcoholics um, and the solution for alcoholics in this book, it's talking about the real alcoholics. And they gave us a um, description of the real alcoholic, how to differentiate it from the moderate or the hard um, drinker in the previous chapter. So I've identified in there, I am the real alcoholic. So along with that, conceding to my innermost selves. And to me, when I read that I've conceded that to my innermost selves, that means that I'm out of ideas. I am screwed. I can't do this. I, I have no more ideas. Um, and if I can see that I'm the real alcoholic, what comes along with that is a willingness to go forward with the rest of the work that's going to be described in the book of how to become recovered. Um, I like when it says um, that the delusion has to be smashed. You know what I often think of, and I don't even know where I came up with this analogy, but I think of a vase. If there's a ceramic vase and it's smashed, it's beyond recognition. There is no putting it back together. It's a pile of crumbles, um, and I can't put it back together. And the the idea that any other way is going to work for me has to be completely smashed. Complete, and I just can't do it. Um, I, I'm a relapse survivor. I've been in and out, in and out. Um, any of you who've heard my story know that. So what's different this time? What's different this time? So what did I do differently in the times before? Well, I can relate a lot to Jim because a lot of the times, most of them, um, I made a beginning. I may have gone past step three. For me, it was I would go through step nine, and then I would not heed the warning um, about resting on my laurels, and I did not do the work of 10, 11, and 12 on a daily basis. So I didn't keep what I had gotten. Um, so how do I know it's going to be different this time? Because I don't care if there's another way out there. I have no desire to try any other way. I know that I am a real alcoholic. I know that there's no other solution for me other than what's described in this big book that we that we piece apart and masterfully detail and go over all of the instructions. I know that that is me. I don't. If someone comes up tomorrow and says man, there's a new pill. It's going to make you be able to eat whatever you want, whenever you want, how much you want, and you're going to have no consequences. I don't want it. That's how I know that I fully conceded. I have no desire to try another way, and I'm willing to follow the rest of the, the instructions. Thank you so much for allowing me to share. Thank you, Nancy T. Kim G. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. The delusion that we are like other people has to be smashed. You know, if, if I could rename any chapter in the big book, I would rename this chapter why I had to come to Overeaters Anonymous. Because this is a chapter totally about the mental twist. We're going to hear some stories, not about people that are drunk and can't get sober, but people who are sober and make the insane decision to pick up. So if I had a one-fold illness of the allergy, then rehabs would cure me because they would separate me from my substance and then I would have the sanity not to pick up again. So I often used to say that, you know, I had a, a disease of denial. 
And denial kind of infers that I know the truth and I'm just going to turn away from it. That's not the language that the big book uses. The big book uses the language illusion, delusion, and insanity. So I feel like I'm more like the schizophrenic. The schizophrenic hears voices. And there's nothing that you can do to tell that person those voices aren't real. My mental twist is real in my head. That's why the doctor's opinion tells me I cannot give Frenchie the truth or the false. My alcoholic life is the only normal one. So the delusion that I can feel like other people has to be smashed. I had to realize my delusion was a delusion. I thought I wanted to be a normal eater. I know normal eaters. Normal eaters will order an appetizer to share with other people. Normal eaters will order something and then decide they're not in the mood. Normal eaters will order a dessert and decide it's too sweet or they're too cold. I don't understand what that even means. What I realize is I want to indulge in my disease to the utmost, and I don't want the consequences. I don't want to eat like my normal friends. I want to look like my normal friends. So that delusion had to be smashed, and I can't do that on my own. I can't remember. I can't use all the tools and just muster it up. That I have to understand that my brain is permanently different. The reason there's 200 12-step programs is because we have a different allergy. But what unites us is this chapter that tells me that my alcoholic thinking is demented. And the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence for the allergy and an entire psychic change through the 12 steps. And that is a daily prescription because my mom uh -uh. Am I oh, we, we lost her for a second, Kim. Yeah, the little man wanted to talk to me, so I guess that's gotcha. Thank you. <laughs> Are you passing? Okay. Okay, thanks, Kim G. We got the gist of it for sure. Laura M., you know, before you share, Laura, in case people got on the line late, I'll just let you know that we're on the second paragraph on page 30. Go ahead, Laura M., Oh, Laura M., are you there? We don't hear you. There we go. Are you hearing me now? I hear you now, Laura M. Okay. Go right ahead. This is, thank you. Laura M. in Missouri, thank you for your service this morning. This is one of those paragraphs that um, really helped me. All I had to do was change a couple of words, and I could identify. And honestly, this program gave me that permission. Um, the first time I, I had this book in my hands, it was, all, it was only about alcoholics. That's the only way I knew how to read it. And I had prided myself all my life that I was not an alcoholic like others in my family. And I could, there were substances that I had imbibed in that when they started getting a little out of control, I could put them down. But this program showed me how to read this book in another way and to substitute words here and there. And I learned that I had to fully concede to my innermost self that I am an addict. And there was something in yesterday's special edition that again reminded me that the addiction is the core disease and it manifests in different ways. And for me, it, it manifested in some other ways, but 
I, in the progressive nature of this disease, I was able to curb those. I just substituted other things and until I hit food and, and food became the, the bottom of the well, so to speak for me and um, just kept going down and down. And that was my first step in recovery is to smash this delusion that, um, that you had to be an alcoholic to be an addict. That really was the delusion that I had. And uh, to fully concede that I am an addict to my true core. Um, and I, it's just a matter of what is my drug of choice. And, and food is the drug of choice that um, captured me and shackled me and was dragging me completely down to the depths. And I'm just so grateful that there is a 12-step program called OA that opened my eyes to read this program um, in the light that I needed to lead it. And thank you all so much for, for being there and carrying that light for me. And uh, I'm just I'm happy to be on this path with you and work in this program and, and becoming one that can begin to carry the light for others as well. Have a great day. Thank you so much. Thank you, Laura okay. M. Devorah S. Here I am. Hi. Yeah. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you so much, and thank you everyone on the line that makes this meeting possible. My name is Devara S. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in New Jersey. And <clears throat> you know, coming into program many years ago, um, it was told to me to read these pages every single day for the first year. So I wasn't doing anything much in program. I was abstinent and um, working tools, a lot of tools, but I, these were the pages I read every day. And, you know, that word smashed, broken up, can't put it back together again, destroyed. You know, I had to really, um, that, that idea that I can eat like other people, because um, that's what I really wanted. I really wanted, I wanted to eat like other people, go to an affair, go to a wedding, go somewhere, and just sit and eat and have whatever I wanted and not have to think about it. Um, and, you know, I, I, and that had to be destroyed, smashed. And, and I um, couldn't understand why I couldn't be like that. What was wrong with me? Until, you know, coming into this program and learning this book, you know, and realizing that I'm not like another person. And I am so grateful to have that understanding today. So, you know, um, and, you know, here I am many years later, you know, I know in my innermost self, um, that I, that, that, that's not an option for me. Um, that if I want to live a sane and happy life today, I can't eat like that anymore. And I had to, and I, and I, and I, and I do this each day with the, with the rest of the steps to keep me in that, and to keep me in that place. Um, and, um, you know, this is the first step in recovery. It's the beginning and I can't just stay in that step. Um, and I have to continue moving onward, you know, um, but in order for me to continue moving onward, I have to keep that first step all the time with me, you know, um, as I'm working the other steps. I can't say, well, I got it, and then I can therefore, you know, dabble a little bit in here and a little bit of there with my addictive substances. You know, I can't do that. Um, I have to keep this first step with me throughout the whole, all the steps. And, um, and then, you know, when I do that, I'm able to, 
you know, develop and get closer to my higher power and to live in the, to live in, in the recovery that is meant, you know, that, that God wants me to be in. Um, and really grateful for this opportunity and this realizations that I'm, I, that I have today, you know, thank you, God, you know, through this book and through everyone talking to me and hearing this over and over again, these messages, you know, um, because this is what I need. This is what I need because my mind could tell me, um, and it's so easy for me to forget. So I always have to come back to this and to remember and to carry it forth with me and to others. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Devorah S. Pete B. Thank you, moderator. My name is Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater, recovered today by God's grace and mercy. <clears throat> Thanks for taking the meeting. You do such a great job conducting all the people that want to share. It's just really fantastic to be here. I love this paragraph, right? Because if you think about it, what we read first, uh, and we started with the doctor's opinion is because, you know, people with this condition, they're going to want to know things based on facts. And if it's coming out of an alcoholic or a compulsive overeater, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a fact. But we have in the doctor's opinion, a medical assessment of the condition of alcoholism or compulsive overeating or addiction or whatever the hell you want to call it, right? And it's, and it's explaining to us the nature of the condition that once somebody has it, if they have it, there's nothing that can be done for them. The only relief we have is entire abstinence, right? And then we go on and we hear about the, different, the differences between the, per, the potential compulsive overeater and the hard eater and all of those things, right? So now we finally get to this point, which is where the, the, the recovered individuals say what we learned and what we learned is that we had to fully concede to our innermost self that we are of this category, that the doctor, that, that, that the medical assessment uh, uh, claims, right? And we had to fully concede. You know, I used to, I used to go to a meeting and, and, and a guy used to say all the time, what's the first step? And everybody would say step one. And he said, no, that's not the first step. Step one is step one. This is the first step. But I could not concede until I had an understanding of the, uh, of, the, of the disease, right? And then once I have the understanding of the disease and it flips over and I, ha- and I have fully conceded, well then, you know what? There are just things that I have to do. I have this condition, it gets worse, it's never better. No human power could relieve it. How often do we want to say, well, you know, well, if I, if I, if I just relate to somebody else or that person can do this, so I guess they're, they have the same condition I have, then I can do that. No, the delusion that I am like other people has got to be smashed. That means any other people. So not, it doesn't say the delusion that I'm like normal people. It's just any, the delusion that I am like other people has got to be smashed. That's even people in here, right? I had to, I had to acknowledge and, and understand the substances and behaviors that cause the phenomena craving in me, right? I don't have to relate to others. It, it's in me. This is the condition I have. And if I have it, the only hope, the only, the, 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 the only hope I have of surviving is that I can develop and nurture a relationship with the God of my understanding by working the rest of these steps. Right, so this is really good stuff, and I love what Kim had to say. Right, we're going to learn. Like the, the 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 you know the most insane decision, the most insane thing I ever did was 
in, in an abstinent mind and an abstinent body chose to pick up the substances, which I know I am allergic to. Right? And the only defense I have against that is through a power greater than myself. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Pete B. Okay, it's time to take more names. So if you want to Charles share on the H. second paragraph on w. page 30, I heard Charles H. and Beth W. Julie E.B. Okay, wait, Julie wait e. one second. Did I hear someone Q.B.? Robin D.Z. Oh, maybe it was Robin D.Z. That's funny. Okay, and then who else was? Julie E.B. Crystal P. Julie E.B. That must be it. And someone Nancy else? Nancy L. Nancy L., was it? Yes. Okay, gotcha, Nancy L. And I Penny think I could e. probably take... Say it again? That was Penny E. Penny E. I think I have to stop there, everybody. We have Charles H., Beth W., Robin DZ, Julie E.B., Nancy L and Penny E. Charles H., please go ahead. Thank you for your service, Charles H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And I, I love those two paragraphs as well. And I want to drill down on where it says it has to be smashed. The delusion has to be smashed. Um, I learned something that it took me a while that grace without truth is fake. Like, you know, I'm glad my sponsor told me that, you know what, this is a deadly disease. He could have told me, oh, you know, it's going to be all right. No, it ain't going to be all right. If I don't do nothing about it, it ain't going to be all right. If I don't surrender, it ain't going to be all right. The grace that that I have um, known in in, in program is, even when I was picking up, picking up, because I, I could tell you one thing. I don't struggle with addiction. I do addiction well. I struggle with recovery every single day. And that's the most humblest thing I could ever say, right? Because I'm not trying to be, you know, no poster boy or nothing like that, because that will kill me, right? The, the, the grace is that God has intervened until I, I, I surrendered and worked these steps hard. The truth is, if I don't concede to my innermost self, I'm going to die um, quicker than, 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 than I have to. So grace and truth, I love it. You know, people say, oh, you're too tough, or there's some tough people on the line. This is a deadly disease. We're going we're gonna to learn um, through these next couple of uh, um, uh, paragraphs that we don't have any control. That's why I believe most people are on the line. I have no control over the first one. I, I get a daily, I get daily grace, um, right? I get daily grace, but I got to live in my truth that I'm a real compulsive overeater. So I hope you get, if you concede to your innermost self, surrender. Don't surrender to the person. Surrender to the addiction. Surrender to it. Surrender to recovery, too, and, and realize that, you know, I well, let me just give you, a, I, I don't know what's going to happen today. I don't know, but I know I'm a real compulsive overeater, and I'm going to do what I have to do one day at a time to recover, recover, recover. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Charles H. Beth W. Hi, thanks for calling on me. My name is Beth W., and I am a recovered compulsive eater from North Dakota. 
And the words that popped out to me today were um, from the paragraph before illusion, and then in this paragraph, delusion, and this is the first step in recovery. Um, several years ago, um, my kids and I were at Harry Potter um, World in Florida, and there's a ride that you get on, and, and it's all an illusion, but it felt so real that I was terrified. And I heard our, our lead speaker talk about, you know, when you're in the food, you, you know, you, you have to get out of the food. Or, or, or one of their speakers this morning said, you know, if you're still in the food, you can't, you can't, um, you can't clearly understand. And that was, that was how I was. When I was in that ride, the world was so real. It all felt so real. That was the illusion. And I was deluded into thinking that that was my reality. And when I was eating or, or drinking or, or using any of my crazy substances, I was deluded to think that was the only reality that I knew. I didn't know there was another way. And it wasn't until I could take that first step in recovery and put down all those addictive substances could I concede to my innermost self that I was an alcoholic or compulsive overeater. And it wasn't until I left that ride and got back out into the, the clear the clear light of day, could I, could I know that I was safe and that I could, I could walk like a normal person and talk like a normal person. And, and I think that's, I, I like word pictures. And so I don't know if that helps anybody else, but it helped me to realize that I was living an illusion. I was living a dream world and thinking that that was reality. And it wasn't, I was just a crazy woman thinking that I was living a reality and I had to put my food down in order to get the beginnings of recovery and start to work the 12 steps. And that is the first step for me is to leave that dream world behind, to get rid of that, that great obsession, that illusion and stop with the deluded thinking. So with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thank you, Beth W. Robin DZ. Good morning. This is Robin DZ from South Carolina. And I want to concentrate on the uh, smash, the delusion that you can eat like other people, even people within our own program, because what I may need to stay away from, you may not need to stay away from. Um, But I want to uh, share my experience. When I finally conceded, there was a time of mourning Really, seriously, there was a time of, you mean I can never have that again? And there was a time of mourning to think that I could not have that particular substance ever again if I wanted to recover. And so, you know, we we just have to be willing, as the program says, be willing. And we need to surrender and lay down by choice the foods and the substances that bother us and cause the allergic reaction in us. And I'm not going to take a whole lot of time because I want to hear from other people, but if anybody wants to find out how I did it, I would like to share with them. And my number's on the uh, membership list, Robin DZ from South Carolina. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Robin DZ. Julie E.B., Hi, this is Julie E.B., gratefully recovered in Colorado today. Um, Wow, powerful words that for me 
we're the beginning, just the beginning of a new life with purpose and meaning. It says a delusion. <laughs> All of my thoughts were so scrambled up. And that I could just be uh, like other people. Uh, yeah, in the food, I noticed other people didn't finish everything on their plate and then start another one or sneak back or steal or do any things I did. Uh, other people weren't in the hospital or bed-bound, 300 pounds. Um, but by the time this disease had me by the throat, um, I thought I wasn't like other people because I was worthless, I was meaningless, I was nothing. And uh, when the disease begins to speak to me at all again, uh, the first statement is, you're no good, you're no good. And so I had to have smashed as well the idea that though its world and its people are often quite wrong, um, I could just blame others and stay sore, be sore, or blame myself, feel remorse and stay sore, like the big book talks about. That's as far as most of us ever got. That's as far as I got. The world was wrong or I was wrong. Who's to blame? Why is this happening to me? And so when this got fully smashed for me, um, it meant I no longer had to blot out my intolerable situation, the consciousness, the awakeness that I could seek spiritual help. And that just came from voices, like the voices we're hearing this morning, voices of loving people on the line. And every time, every time, I think I'm like other people, um, that I can be the grouch or the brainstorm. These are the dubious luxury of normal men. But for me, they're to eat, and to eat is to die. So I can't spin around something. I have to call someone. I have to do a 10-step. I can't stop and think I'm the center of the universe. I have to deepen my connection with a higher power and see the world outside of me. I can't just say, oh, no, I'm not going to work with others today. Today, I'm just going to kick back and relax. Because when I do that, I, I'm not like normal people. If I'm not helping someone else, I can't see my life as useful, full of purpose, and as a gift. Thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Julie E.B. Nancy L. Good morning. This is Nancy L., recovered in Arizona. We learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves. And I just remember what did it for me. I remember the day, the afternoon that I pulled into my garage, sitting in the car seat, car in the driver's seat, alone in the car, looking down at my blouse and my buttons are popping. I'm like, oh, my, my blouse is shrinking. No, no, look at your lap. Oh, my lap full of candy wrappers. And I felt like I, I just was out of my body. I thought nobody in their right mind could be doing what I'm doing. Um, especially because I had spent five decades fighting the food. I was chubby at five years old and came into the rooms at 55. And, um, but bef- before I came to OA, I, I went to this, this uh, diet thing and I said, this is it. I'm going to get this weight off. And I did. I, I did crazy things, got it off. And for 14 months, the goose hung high. I felt wonderful, absolutely wonderful. And then, like I said, I pulled in the garage 14 months, you know, of just messing around with the food, but, you know, just thinking that I'm, I'm good, I'm great, I'm wonderful, I'm cured, whatever. Um, 
But I, I'm grateful for that day now. I'm really grateful that day I looked down and saw all those candy wrappers because I knew that uh, it, it, Nancy could never do anything again to get herself under control. And that's when I, I found a OA. So with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy L. Penny E. Good morning, good morning. This is Penny E. from South Jersey. Very grateful to be here this morning. Um, So I am a real compulsive overeater. Once I take that first bite, I have no idea, no idea where I'm going to go. And I do want to say that uh, just so you know who I am and that I have this disease, that for 30 years, 30 continuous years, we, because I don't do it alone, we, God, Bill, Everything, Dr. Bob, you, the newcomers, uh, have been able to stay abstinent through the grace of God, happily, maintaining a normal body side, 100 pounds. And uh, I don't want it today. If they told me I was going to die in five minutes, I may call my sponsor and say, I'd like to move my lunch up a little bit because I don't want to skip, I don't want to miss a meal. I may move my lunch up, but I would not eat those things because I feel great. So that's what I wanted to say to begin with. But it started with fully conceding, fully conceding. And once I make that admission, it means nothing. It's like Peter Piper picked a peck of pickle peppers if I don't follow up with action. Action, action, action. What does that look like? So I was just going to share, for me, what that looks like for me. How do I know and how do I take that first step every single day, every single day? And what brought to mind is um, years ago, my husband and I took a motorcycle uh, trip, six weeks on the road. I had about three pairs of underpants, two bras, two pairs of socks, I mean very little clothes. And so did he. But we had a cooler that, that we had to get a, uh, you know, a, a tow truck for, a cooler with all our food. And what we had, and this is, this is because I fully conceded. I was not willing to go cross-country. We went cross-country. I didn't know where we were going to be. I guess I got to go quickly. But I needed to know that I was going to be able to get my uh, eight ounces of this, eight ounces of that. So we had a cooler full of all kinds of canned foods that we were able to eat. No problem wherever I was. That was good. I weighed and measured my food every day. I prayed to God every day. I called my sponsor every day from everywhere, everywhere across the country. Six weeks we were on the road, fully conceited. I prayed at every meal. Um, I, I actually called my sponsors. I made phone calls. We got to meetings, fully conceded. It didn't matter I was in the Grand Canyon. It didn't matter that I was in Elvis's uh, plane. It didn't matter. I had to fully concede that I have this disease. And as a reason, and I do the same thing here today. I mean, it's been a long time, but I still weigh and measure. I, I write my food down every day. I'm not saying that everybody has to do what I do, but that's what I had to fully concede to. Everybody does it differently today. So I can't believe I have more time. Maybe I should just sing a little bit here. But um, I also wanted to say that I can have, if I want to eat, if I want to pick up, I can pick up. I can pick up whatever I want to pick up tomorrow. I just can't have it today. If I had a, I mean, I don't want it. I mean, I really don't want it. But if I, if somebody does want it, that's my time. Love you guys. I don't have to sing. Have a beautiful God-filled day. (laughs) Thanks, Penny E. Guess what? We have some time on the clock for one or two more shares, like either one long or two short. Who would like them? On the second paragraph on page 30. 
Okay, no, wait, wait. Two people spoke up, so I just didn't get either name. So Marie who were they? Crystal P. Was it Marie and Crystal? It's Anne okay, Marie. Those are the Anne Marie. Okay, yes. Anne Marie and Crystal, and you can give your initials when you share. Now we only have three minutes left, so want to each take a minute and a half. Anne Marie, go ahead. Thank you. I am in the stage of withdrawing and, and conceding to my innermost self that I am defeated by this disease after 50 years of, of, of nonsense and uh, relapsing. And today I woke up and I at the wrong time and missed my appointment with my sponsor. So I jumped right on the phone, right on here to do what she suggested that I be in touch to expand my base of contact. So I thank you for being there this morning so I could do that. Thanks for letting me share. Anne Marie, did you mention the first initial of your last name? Um, did I miss that? G, as in girl. G. Thanks so much, Anne Marie G. Glad Thanks. you spoke up. And Crystal, you could give us your initial, and you have a couple of minutes. Go ahead. Hi. Uh, can I be heard? Yes. Good morning, Crystal. Good morning. This is Crystal P. from Toronto. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, I think this this is my favorite chapter in, in the book because uh, it was when I was reading this chapter that I think I, I really took step one. I conceded to myself. Um, and the part that stood out to me was the delusion um, because for me, what the delusion was, um, was that I could trust my mind, that my mind was trustworthy because I spent my entire life feeling like um, my body had betrayed me. It never did what I wanted it to do. It could never, whatever I had in my mind of what, what would be the perfect life, my body was standing in the way of that. But my mind and me were pals. You know, we could we could figure out any situation together and the thing that I had to smash in this program was that my mind had betrayed me all of my life um, and I could no longer trust it. And that was very scary because even when I came into program, I'd been in program a good three months. Worked, I was working it like a diet because everything that people would tell me in the program, I would filter through this through the process of my mind. You know, like, did, does it make sense to me? Does it intellectually, you know, stimulate me? And then if it did that, then maybe I'll do it. But conceding to myself that my mind wasn't trustworthy was then saying to myself, I can't run anything through this mind filter. I just have to do what people tell me to do, irrespective of whether it makes sense to me because my mind is not trustworthy. And to me, it just reminded me of that movie, A Beautiful Mind, uh, where John Nash, similar to how a fellow shared, um, suffered with schizophrenia. And he had that moment where he realized, my goodness, all my life, this thing that I thought was real is not real. And then he had to trust somebody else to tell him what is real and what is not real. And for me, that's somebody else. For him, it's his, it's his wife. It's the power of love. And for me, it's the same. It's, it's God and the power of love. I trust that God will show me what is real and not real, that the fellowship and the program will tell me what is real and not real because my mind has just has lost that job because it, it abused it. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Oh, thank you, Crystal T. You're the last person to share for this hour. Thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service 
The share ID for this meeting, Monday, June 3rd, 2019, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, is 12,984. That's 12984. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Marie J. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Hi, this is Marie J. Thank you. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right. Great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.